Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Troy Dooley here, the host of the Beachside CEO. We are now heard around the world on the Home Business Radio Network. I hope you don't get tired of me saying that because I am so proud of what the team has done over there. We are the world's largest uh, 24-7 radio network now focused on the home business arena. And you don't get that all the time. And, And to have that, I think is something very special. Now, my foot is still healing good. Uh, yesterday I woke up with a toothache, went to the dentist, found out I need to have a root canal in one of my teeth, so we've scheduled that for tomorrow. It has been, if it isn't at one end, it's at the other. It's the craziest thing. But that's what happens sometimes. And in this case here, it's given me the downtime to be able to get some stuff done, get focused, move forward, and that's awesome. We're in. Start with why. How great leaders inspire everyone to take action by Simon Sinek. We're in Chapter 11, when why goes fuzzy. And if we don't know our why or, or it goes fuzzy, then we can lose focus on what we're doing. Sorry about that. I had to take a little drink of life shots there. Uh, it, it's interesting when we lose our focus, but something that I think is really cool is the way that Simon brings in the story of a great company that has has fallen out of grace with people. He said Goliath flinched. That's what he titled that. He said a lot of what goes on these days with high-flying companies and overpaid CEOs who've really just looting from the top and aren't watching out for everyone by themselves really upsets me. It's one of the main things that's wrong with America business today. And this is the sentiment passed down from the founder to one of the most viable companies in recent history. Raised on a farm in America's heartland, he came of age during the Great Depression. This probably explained his predisposition for being frugal. Standing 5 foot 9 inches, weighing only 130 pounds, when he played football in high school, Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, learned early the value of working hard. Working hard leads to winning, and as a quarterback on his high school football team, he won a lot. In fact, they went on to become state champs. Whether through hard work, luck, or just unflappable optimism, Walton got so used to winning all the time that he could fully visualize what losing he couldn't fully visualize what losing looked like. He simply couldn't imagine it. Walton even philosophized, I think that's the word, that always thinking about winning probably became self fulfilling prophecy for him. And that happens. We've seen that in science. During the Depression, he was a highly successful paper route that earned him a decent wage for the time. By the time Sam Walton died, he had taken Walmart from a single store in Bentonville, Arkansas, and turned it into a, a, a mammoth colossus of $44 billion in annual sales with 40 million people shopping the stores per week. Now, this is the important part, listen. But it takes more than a competitive nature, a strong work ethic, and a sense of optimism to build a company big enough to equal 23 large economies in the world. Walton wasn't the first person with a big dream to start a small business. With many business owners, many business owners dream of being big. Very few make it. There are 27.7 million registered businesses in the United States today, and only 1,000 of them get to be on the Fortune 1,000 
that requires daily sales of 1.5 billion. Oh no, excuse me. It it it, it, it requires 1.5 billion in annual sales a year. That's less than 0.004% of all companies. Now think about that. How many times in network marketing have you heard, well, we're going to be the next billion-dollar business? Does that really matter? I mean, in the scheme of things. Whether a company is a billion dollars a year or not doesn't make a hill of beans difference for the average distributor, the average entrepreneur out there trying to make a living. Why we focus on that is beyond me. Sam Walton did not invent the low-cost shopping model. The five-and-dime variety concept has been around since 1962. But there's some things that did happen. See, for Sam Walton, there was something else, a deeper purpose, a cause, a belief that drove him. More than anything else, Walton believed in people. He believed that if he looked after people, people would look after him. The more Walmart could give to employees, customers, and the community, the more the employees, customers, and community would give back to Walmart. Sam Walton was known for saying we all work together. But yet, in the last decade, really the last 20 years, we've seen more lawsuits, class action suits, and stuff against Walmart than you can shake a stick at. Why is that? See, it's interesting. Sam Walton believed in service. He believed in making sure customers were taken care of, Employees were taken care of, the community was taken care of. But yet we don't sometimes see that. See, there's a much bigger problem. The problem is was that his cause was not clearly handed down after he died. All of a sudden, Don Glass, who took over for him, didn't seem to pass that along, nor did the next CEO. Simon wrote this. In the post-Sam era, Walmart slowly started to confuse why it existed to serve people with how it did business to offer low prices. They traded the inspiring cause of serving people for manipulation. They forgot Walton's why, and their driving motivation became all about cheap. In stark contrast to the founding cause Walmart originally embodied, efficiency and margins became the name of the game. Walton was known for saying, a computer can tell you down to the dime what you've sold, but it can never tell you how much you could have sold. There's always a price to pay for the money we make. And given Walmart's sheer size, the cost wasn't paid in dollars and cents alone. It's sad when you look at that. Because in in, uh, December 2008, Walmart faced 73 class action lawsuits related to wage violations, and had already paid hundreds of millions of dollars in past judgments and settlements. Now, that's pretty tough when you think about it. We go into the stores, we wonder why they're dirty, nasty, the bathrooms aren't clean. If you don't take care of your people, they're not going to take care of the customer. We already know that. And if employees are suing their, their employer, we got issues. Walton was known saying celebrate your successes find some humor in your failures don't take yourself so seriously loosen up and everyone around you will loosen up I think in a lot of cases businesses start to take the bottom line too seriously 
And what happens is they end up getting everything out of whack. The golden circle becomes upside down. See, the greatest challenge that most businesses face, that most people face, it isn't even business-oriented when you think about it. It's just people-oriented. The biggest challenge we face are not competitors, it's ourselves. Whether you're trying to get a prospect, whether you're dating somebody, whether you're building a business. I used to remember sitting around the table when I was in Primerica. And I would sit across from an insurance agent. And the insurance agent would start talking about himself, about his business, about how big they were, about how full-time he was, about all his credentials. And try to belittle those of us at Primerica. And I'd sit there calmly and listen. When he got done, I'd just ask questions. Well, how does that affect our client? How does that affect my client? How does that affect our client? How does that affect my client? Then when it was my turn to talk, I would show how I could give hope and opportunity back to the client for less dollars than they were spending with the other company. I won every one of those. Because at the end of the day, what mattered to me most was the client. Had that insurance agent showed me where they could save the comp- save the customer money, would be able to put more money in their pocket at the end of 20 or 30 years than I could, I'd have said, you need to go at that company. That never happened. Does that mean that Primerica had the best term insurance? Probably not. But they did have the best why. But when our why goes fuzzy, we have issues. We forget what we're doing. We forget why we're there. We keep looking for answers that aren't there. See, if we as outsiders lose clarity of why Walmart's there, it's a good sign that the why's gone fuzzy and even the company can't figure it out. How do you get your why back? How do you clear up the fuzziness? Well, that brings us to a different different thought process, but it will give, bring us to the answer. And it comes to, from being successful versus feeling successful. See, there's no doubt Walmart has achieved some great, great, great things. But have they been successful? Something that Simon writes, he says, Every year a group of high-performing entrepreneurs get together at MIT's Endicott House just outside of Boston. This gathering of titans, as they call themselves, is not your average entrepreneur conference. It's not a hotshot, fancy golf outlet. Every year, 40 or 50 business owners spend four days listening from early in the morning until late in the evening, each other. Now, there's an assortment of guest speakers that are invited But the idea is to look at each other and figure out what we're doing wrong. Simon says, I had the honor of attending the gathering of Titans as a guest a few years ago. I expected it to be just another group of entrepreneurs talking, getting together to talk shop. I expected to hear discussions and presentations about maximizing profits and proving systems. But what I witnessed was profoundly different. In fact, it was completely opposite. Now, this is interesting. Listen to this. On the first day, someone asked a group about how many of them had achieved their financial goals. About 80% of the hands went up. I thought alone 
but this was quite impressive. But it was the answer to the next question that was profound. With their hands still in the air, the group was asked this. How many of you feel successful? 80% of the hands went down. 80% of the group had achieved financial goals. But yet the majority of them did not feel successful. Now, listen, this is this is just as profound. Here is a room full of some of America's brightest entrepreneurs, many of them multimillionaires, some of who didn't need to work anymore if they didn't want to, yet most of them still didn't feel like they had succeeded. In fact, many of them reported that they'd lost something since they'd started their business. They reminisced about the days when they didn't have any money and they were working from their basements trying to get things going. They longed for the feelings they used to have. Interesting. I don't know how many times I've sat in front of boring, smart, disillusioned spiritual leaders. Actually, I probably could call them religious leaders. And you know what they'd tell me? Christianity has nothing to do with a feeling. Loving Jesus has nothing to do with a feeling. It's not about the experience. And yet when I'd read my Bible, all I saw was experience. All I saw was feeling. It's interesting. We all go through this in different aspects. And the reason I bring up spiritual side is because this happens in every aspect of our life. See, if we lose the feeling of what it was like when we were building something, then our why becomes fuzzy. Simon writes, These amazing entrepreneurs were at a point in their life where they realized that their businesses were about much more than selling stuff or making money. They realized the deep personal connection that existed between what they do and why they were doing it. Unlike the typical A-plus personality entrepreneurs, these titans were not there to prove something to each other. There was a feeling of immense trust rather than ruthless competition. And because of this feeling, every member of the group was willing to express vulnerability that they probably rarely show the rest of the year. They were craving for what they had lost. I see that at the top levels in network marketing. I deal with leaders in all kinds of companies. They get together in private a lot of the times, and they just have a great time. Because they understand it's more. It's more than just about making sales, building a team. They want to feel successful, and the only way you can feel successful is to not lose focus of your why. So many times we do that. See, it's easy for us to see what we've achieved. We see the press clippings. I mean, I've got clippings. My mom, she clips everything. You can see where I had worked my way up in almost every company that I've ever been part of, my achievements in the Marine Corps, et cetera, et cetera. 
But a successful business owner, let me let me read what Simon writes. But the things they had lost is much harder to identify. As their tangible success grew, something more elusive started to dissipate. Every single one of those successful business owners knew what they did. They knew how they did it. But many no longer knew why. See, we can't mix achievement with success. You can achieve the top of the world. You can you can be the best of the best of the best of the best and still commit suicide out of loneliness. You can be one of the greatest children actors of all time, win all kinds of stuff like Lindsay Lohan, and grow up and be lonely. It's a scary world. It's because nobody's teaching that achievement is not success. It's interesting. Simon writes this. Many people who achieve great success don't feel it. Some who achieve fame talk about the loneliness that's often there. That's because success and achievement are not the same thing. Yet too often we mistake one for another. It's kind of like kind of like when people sin. Nobody wants to use the S word, you know. So they say they made a mistake. Yet there's a difference between making a mistake and sinning. Now, I'm not going to go down that path, but it's interesting to see how in society, if a girl gets pregnant out of a wedlock, we say, oh my gosh, she made a mistake. Really? That's interesting to me. It's funny. You know, we, we like to water down every dadgum thing in this world, it seems like. Achievement is something that you reach or attain. It's like a goal. It's something tangible, clearly defined and measurable. Success, in contrast, is a feeling or a state of being. She feels successful. She is successful. We say using verbs. While we can easily lay down a path to reach a goal, laying down a path to reach an intangible feeling of success is more elusive. It's interesting. Simon says, in my vernacular, achievement comes when you pursue and attain what you want. Success comes when you're clearly in pursuit of why you want it. Success, folks, comes when we wake up every day in the never-ending pursuit of our why. We know what we do and why we do it. Our achievements, what we do, serve as the milestones to indicate that we're on the right path. See, that's the key. Sadly, most of us, while in pursuit of success, simply mistake what we achieve as the final destination. I think this is the reason that the majority of us probably never feel satisfied. It's why I'm an outcast, or really, not really an outcast, I'm just bizarre in network marketing. When I'm talking to somebody about the business, I don't go around talking to them about all the money they're going to make. I start off trying to figure out what it is you want to do. What's your why? I had a guy yesterday write me, Troy, I'd like to know more about Ocean Avenue. I'm checking out this company, this company, this company, and this company. Great companies, by the way, most of them. He goes, I'm looking for an easy path part-time to grow my business. Now, most people would have said, well, Troy, did you tell him about Ocean Avenue? (laughs) Not at all. 
Matter of fact, one of the companies that he mentioned, a good friend of mine, one of my mentors, is the is the top right-hand man to the owner. And I said, you need to go to this company because the way they're set up, it, it would fit what you're looking for perfectly. That was the end of that conversation. What I do is the hard daggum work. And you've got to be here because of a why that's so freaking powerful that even whenever you've got a broken leg, an abscessed tooth, you're stressed, you're drained, you're still busting it, you're still working it, you're still moving forward. It's going to be tough. Commission checks start small. That's what most people don't get. This is, this. I don't care what business you're in, it's hard work. There's no easy way. But it is easier when you know your why and you're in the right company because of the why. See, the reason we never feel satisfied, no matter how big of our yacht that we've got, no matter how big of a house that we've got, is because we've lose, lose focus of the why. It becomes blurry, fuzzy. Simon says, in the course of building a business or a career, we become more confident in what we do. We become greater experts in how to do it. With each achievement, the tangible measurement of success and the feeling of progress increases. Life is good. However, for most of us, somewhere along the journey, we forget why we set out on the journey in the first place. That's so true. I do these radio shows, whether I've got an abscessed tooth that's killing me or not, because I know that somewhere between 30 and 40,000 people a month Download and listen to the radio shows. I know that 100,000 people a month are listening in over at the Home Business Radio Network. That's what keeps me driven. I know that we're touching people's lives. That's the important part. When the Endicott entrepreneurs... What what the Endicott entrepreneurs experienced as individuals was the same transition that Walmart and other big companies have gone through. Their why became fuzzy. See, those with the ability to never lose sight of the why, no matter how little or how much they achieve, can inspire us. Those with the ability to never lose sight of the why and also achieve the milestones that keep everyone focused in the right direction are the great leaders. And I believe this happens because great leaders, whether they realize it or not, keep the golden circle in balance. They're in pursuit of a why. They hold themselves accountable to how they do it. What they do serves as a tangible proof of what they believe. Every great leader, spiritual, business, science, sports, health, kept track of the why. They knew Hurricane Sandy that now has become a nor'easterner. I don't know if they still call her Sandy or not. Blew through 1,600 miles of the East Coast. You saw men and women take charge of their cities and of their states and of their counties. They knew their why. Governor Christie of New Jersey said today, I don't care about the presidential election. 
That's not important. What's important is the 2.4 million people I have without electricity. It's easy to be part of the political circle, but he knew when the time came and this came, what he had to do was take care of his state. We've seen this across the East Coast. That's what it's about. And that's what we have to remember. If you're wise, fuzzy, if you don't know what your why is, it's time that you figure it out. I strongly suggest buying the book, Start With Why. You can go to startwithwhy.com. You can go to the beachsideceu.com. We're putting up some videos over there of Simon's. I think you'll enjoy it. No matter what, though, you got to focus on your why. That's the only way you're going to do it. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous. Stay strong. And if you're in network marketing, act like it. You've been listening to the Beachside CEO on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered radio. <laughs>